I am black on the outside, clad in a wrinkled clover, yet within I bear a burning marrow. I season delicacies, the banquets of kings, and the luxuries of the table, both the sauces and the tenderized meats of the kitchen. But you will find in me no quality of any worth unless your bowels have been rattled by my gleaming marrow. Okay, uh, so welcome to We Should Know Better, uh, the podcast where uh, three people get way too lost in Wikipedia and give it much more credit than it's worth. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Sky. And I'm Tim. Oh my gosh, we did it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to edit so, it so that Tim and I say it at the same time. Please do that. <laughs> <laughs> it won't feel right. I'm so exactly. Proud. So proud of you guys. Uh, well, tonight, uh, if you've never heard the podcast before, I'm not surprised. Also, although although you could be subscribing to us on iTunes already, because that's a thing that's happening. Yay. Uh, yay. Uh, but if you haven't heard the podcast before, uh, generally, we just play the Wikipedia game in which uh, I give these guys a starting page. And then using only links inside the article, uh, we... You or we try to find our way to an endpoint within Wikipedia in, in the vast expanse of almost correct information. Right. So tonight we have an interesting. I think I think it's interesting. Uh, we have a. <laughs> we have a. <laughs> we are, it's going to be an interesting journey from one place to another, uh, mostly this, because this. Oh, go on. Don't don't hype it too much, man. <laughs> No, no, no. Mostly you're going because to, you're going to blow out our expectations. Mostly because uh, our, our start page was given to me by uh, by my boyfriend. An end page was suggested, but I could not actually make it to that end page in a reasonable number of clicks. So, oh man! Uh, so I had to go for next best. I'm actually pretty happy with how it turned out, though. So uh, we'll get started in a second. Uh, first off, before we play our start off game. We are going to get you to your first page, which is you're headed to seasoned uh, salt. Seasoned salt. And I'm going to put that in, in the Skype. Follow the link that I sent you guys. All right. It's kind of a small article to start, but uh, do not worry. There's plenty of ways for you to go because I followed kind of fun and so and a lot of food. Based stuff, obviously. So, uh, but that's where we're we're going to go from seasoned salt to James Buchanan. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is James Buchanan. This sounds yes. like a thrill ride, Kyle. <laughs> I told you, hold on to your seat, Tim. Because you guys can leave a review for better. us in iTunes, but please wait till next week. Yeah, we promise oh. we'll make this up to you. You guys are the worst. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> This is going to be anyway, a good time. <laughs> we're going to have some fun along the way, I promise. Or at least a little bit of fun. In the meantime, we're going to have no fun at all playing <laughs> yeah. the family, play, uh, coming up with a, a description for a game that I found in the family game book, which has been a, uh, a tradition for me in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Kyle found it at his local Goodwill. Oh, it's so great. It's a it was terrible book from the 1950s. 1960s. No, 60s. This 1960s. is from the 1960s. And okay. it includes such chapters as games for boys and fathers. Yep. 
and that's it. And uh, <laughs> a great deal of the other chapters are educational games for boys and girls of different age ranges. I'm pulling tonight's selection from uh, the chapter entitled Educational Games for Boys and Girls Aged 6 to 10. I guess they think these children are moderately brain dead, but you know. It's the 60s. Most people's brains were moderately dead. That, that's actually <laughs> true. So, uh, my favorite game to... was what did you hit with the stick? <laughs> <laughs> Ow, my knee. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to give you a name of a game that they describe in this book, and you guys have to give me your best guess as to what that game actually is. I still don't know if we're going to be able to top uh, the doctor's cat, but we're going to try. The game selection for tonight is a rousing round of Weather Vane. You guys take your pick uh, as to what you think the game Weather Vane is. And the thing is, I can tell you now, you actually already almost have, you've almost played this game as a child. This is just a knockoff? Sort of, This is just yes. a cheap 60s knockoff? <laughs> there were so many. Okay, so Weather Vane. Gosh, you're so, you're so fast, game- Tim. <laughs> I, I, my, my mind is a database of uh, fun and recreation. He's like a kangaroo. So speedy. <laughs> That's not the animal I would have guessed first, but okay. Um, <laughs> Weathervane is a game uh, that you play with your child, preferably a boy. Right, yes. Of course. Uh, where you send your, uh, your child up onto the roof. Yeah, that's oh, exactly and, uh, what I was going to say. To grab onto the, uh, the antenna. Antenna, <laughs> and you yell out you yell out directions, and that's the direction that the wind is blowing. And your child has to uh, turn and face in that direction, and uh, until the uh, the game the reception for the game comes on. Wow! And comes in, and then they must hold it until the end of the game. Wow! And uh, are there, are there fouls in this? Like, can you mess up? Is I mean. I, I feel like there's only one. You only get one chance to mess this one up. As yeah, a kid. That's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> there's only uh, one reigning champion of weather game. <laughs> it's not. It's not because they're the best. The hunger weather games. All right. All right. It's a little dark. A little but dark. I just. I just imagine all these games as like excuses to get your kids to do something for you. Yeah, actually, you're mostly right. Yeah. But. <laughs> Makes sense. In in these cases. And uh, they learn something along the way. Yeah. Hey. Sky. Daddy, Daddy One, wants to play two, Weather Vane. Three, four, buzz. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Weather Vane is um, players take turns. One will hold the wrists of the other one and press down. And then whichever bumps show up, they have to point to it and tell them whether it's a vein or an oh artery. My gosh, I knew that's where you were going. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> when bumps show up. <laughs> bumps. Well, I don't know what to call them because they're not veins. Bruises? I mean, they, they, they're veins or arteries. Oh, my. Sky, I, yours is not the closest, but I'm going to pick it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was the more creative. It was more on the beaten path. Yeah. Yeah, you guys both went super dark this week. I was not expecting that. I don't uh, have very big veins. <laughs> I can see I can see them at my wrists, but my dad has like 
just huge tubes going through his arms. <laughs> Is your it's father crazy. a robot? He's fully hydraulically equipped. That's pretty <laughs> yes. much it. It's insanity. All right. Well, the actual game, uh, Weathervane, you might know it uh, better as Simon Says. Oh. Yeah, which is weird anyway. The group stands in a body facing one player who serves as, quote unquote, the wind. The wind indicates his pleasure by calling the wind <laughs> blows ellipses north. Ooh. And uh, quickly, the players turn to the side or corner of the room that that direction indicates. If they're already facing that direction, if you turn or anyone who changes the position is out. At first, the wind may help by turning with the group but subsequently uh, may confuse the group by twirling and temporarily <laughs> stopping in the wrong direction. Anyone misled is out. After the game is, uh, this is for round two. After the game is thoroughly understood, halfway points such as Northwest or Southeast can also be selected. Oh yeah, because that's not gonna mess everything up. So take Simon Says and take out everything but facing eight corners in the room. And that's going to hold your child's attention for 10 seconds. Yeah, that's like red light, green light, only not fun. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. really love to know. Additionally, additionally, I would really love to know just how many parents I know who actually are aware of the four compass directions in their house. Like, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> uh, probably, you know, druid parents. <laughs> yes, yes, would, probably. Would well. <laughs> um, yes. Seafaring parents. Yeah, yeah. Let's just subscribe to feng shui. Yes. Feng shui you know. parents, yeah. Basically, you just want to put your kids in the various, you know, corners of the room that improve your luck and yes. your wealth. And yep. the quiet. Um, but yes, yeah, that is that is weather vane, guys. It sounds terrible, but at least it's not as bad as some of the other games we've had so far. At least the kids are moving. So that's a start. The wind <laughs> blows west. I really uh, love Wester. that. It, is that, is that your pleasure? There, there. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. It, uh, it literally says the wind indicates his pleasure by by listing the by no by saying the wind blows, and it actually has the ellipses dot dot dot. The wind know? demands satisfaction. <laughs> the wind will not be denied. No. <laughs> so, we're going to start off uh, with seasoned salt. Wow. Which. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this uh, just because I didn't realize all the stuff that's in it. Yeah, I never knew either. I always wondered. So did I. So that's part of the reason why I went along with this after it was suggested to me, because I kind of wanted to know. Uh, And thus begins every trip into Wikipedia. See, guys, it does work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a blend of table salt, herbs, spices, other flavorings, and sometimes MSG. And sometimes why? It's not very specific. I wonder no. if there's different blends then. Uh, it does kind of it does kind of lend itself that way. Uh, and if you look down in the list of ingredients, um, they put they use black pepper, celery seed, chili powder, garlic powder, kala namak, which I'm not certain what that is. I clicked through. That's, I that's got, um that's what the guy yells when he um rips out uh, that dude's heart in Temple, <laughs> uh, Temple yeah. of Doom. Temple of Doom, yeah. That is literally the joke I almost went for. <laughs> when you don't go there, I will. That's, that's checks and balances. <laughs> this is why I have to have you here, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, mustard seed, onion powder, oregano, uh, paprika, sugar, thyme, turmeric, and white pepper. Also, wow. if you feel like adding or going for an umami taste. Oh, yeah. 
you you add monosodium glutamate and which I think is just a version of salt, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And soy sauce powder. Mm. So salt and salt. Tasty, so just put more salt sauce. in your salt. Yo, dog, I heard you like umami. So I put some salt in your salt. <laughs> um, how, do you, how do you like your mommy now? <laughs> <laughs> Umami's so, so I fat. Mean, the, I, I, I'm interested to know just what the makeup of seasoned salt is in terms of, you know, volume and percentages. Like how much of it is actually still salt? Does, does salt still deserve to have the top billing? It's a good question. In this concoction. things uh, People need to know these things. Well, I guess they would say that the other things are seasoning the salt. So whatever mm. you have, even if it's less, Holy even if cow. the salt is the, is the, you know, the lesser of everything. If you take like red ball, if you have like one red ball in a room uh-huh. and then fill it with, <laughs> with fill the room with a thousand green balls, right. you can't really say you are like seasoning that red ball or enhancing it. Yeah, you can. You're, you're drowning it. No, yeah. If that, if that red ball doesn't have the right flavoring, and you want to, and you're adding all that stuff to get the right flavoring for that red ball, yeah. That that almost seems point? like a seasoning genocide. Though. That's that's, that's, like, that's seasoned balls. <laughs> no, that's not where I was trying to go with this. Uh-huh. Wow. At, but you at went what there. Checks balances. There you go. <laughs> at what point is the red ball seasoning the green ball? I mean, really? Right. Well, that's that's my point. If there's more red balls, if there's more red balls than green balls, Tim. Then would they be seasoning the green balls? This is getting a lot deeper than I guess I it depends on what you consider the base. <clears throat> exactly. It's all about the base. Nope. 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 We're going to get out of here right now. Uh, it is also known as chicken salt in Australia and New Zealand. They, I mean, seasoning salt and seasoned salt because that's that's what everyone in my family called it. It's yep. just seasoned salt. No one calls it seasoned salt. My family didn't use seasoned salt. What? My parents didn't use it. No. My parents didn't really season stuff very much, <laughs> but so when I went to college, my roommate, uh, Derek, exploded. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, he, when we moved into a house that had a kitchen, he had the seasoned salt. He's, and I was like, what is that? He's like, what oh man, that? you got to put this on basically <laughs> everything because we're college students. And I'm like, yeah, you got to so put this good. on something you want to put in your mouth. This makes yep. all the burned stuff taste so good. Tastes less burned. Yeah. Uh, so it's, chicken salt. It's also called chip spice. Yeah. In certain places. I like that. I do chip too, spice actually. Is a cool, cool chip sounding spice. name. Mm-hmm. I actually really like that. I, I sort of want to use that, but no one will know what I'm talking about. Right. All right, guys, where are we going? James Buchanan is who we're going to. That's correct. I forgot who, who we're going to. I can give you a little bit of background on Buchanan if that will help you decide where you want to go. Well, I know he was a vegetarian. Potentially. So I should click on vegetarian. Was he? No, I don't think he was. I don't think he was either. (laughs) But uh, he is the uh, president directly directly before Lincoln, which puts him in close with a very, very distinct part of our history. Yes. Uh, Great. He was also the only only president from Pennsylvania. So if you can find something that's referenced to to a region, maybe, that might help you out. Sure. Um, right. Man, there's a link here to not just fish and chips, but fish and chip shop. I know. (laughs) Other takeaway food. I clicked on both. (laughs) Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'll go to takeaway food. Cool. All right, Tim. So I've been diving into the ingredients list, um, 
at first I was thinking of going with Marjoram because mm-hmm. it sounds cool. It it uh, it really I loved does. I loved his music. Canned Heat was my anthem for a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think I'm going to take a little tangent, a little risk, a little idea in my head, and I'm going to go with Black Pepper. Oh, Tim, you're so close. Yeah, I on. always am. <laughs> but I am in Black Pepper now. All right. Cool. Uh, you guys, uh, Tim, you came closest out of the two of you to where I ended up going. Uh, my, I, Oh, by the way, I got there in five clicks. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I ended up taking off of this page uh, Paprika. Just because. <laughs> Just because. Paprika. I, your favorite Blue Clues character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to go uh, – I, I, well, I headed over to Paprika. Um, it, you went to – what was it, takeaway food? Yeah, so it links to takeout. Oh, right, of course. Carry right. out, that sort of thing. So I really like that this page hits home the idea that uh, takeout food has basically been around since forever. Mm-hmm. It says the concept of prepared meals to be eaten elsewhere dates back to antiquity. Market and roadside stalls selling food were common in both ancient Greece and ancient Rome. By their trains. By their trains. They're slave trains. Yes. Yeah. See? There's a distinct lack of formal dining and kitchen area in Pompeian homes, which may suggest that eating, or at least cooking, at home was unusual. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, they had service counters in the street that had food that could be that was prepared to be taken elsewhere or eaten elsewhere. That's really crazy. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, the Aztecs had marketplaces with vendors that sold beverages such as atoli, which mm. is a gruel made from uh, maize dough. Mm-hmm. Someone would sell that for a profit. <laughs> Wait, a maize dough? A maize dough. A maize dough. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 50 types of tamales with, with ingredients uh, ranging from turkey, rabbit, gopher, frog, frit, fish, fruits, eggs, and maize flowers. As well as insects and stews. Yeah, I, I was just listening to a couple different podcasts about market. They actually talk about like marketplaces and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that it became that it gave people a way to like congregate without needing, well, basically places to sit down. And and that's you know that that's part of a like a it's a hallmark of uh, a, a, a culture that's actually going to have the ability to put together a lot of commerce. Yeah. And I mean, it goes both ways, right? Because if it's on the street, like this isn't really, we're not talking about restaurants really like no. takeout, you know, like we think of Olive Garden taking out some old pasta noodles, but mm-hmm. it's, it's more like, you know, street vendors that just cook this stuff and are like, Hey, like, <laughs> do you want some <laughs> no. of this? And so it kind of works twofold because, you know, the people on the street, they're going to be hungry. They have to eat at some point and the people cooking the stuff, they're out there in the open. And so the smells are out there, you know, they can, you can see the food, you see it being prepared. Yeah. So I can see why I would why I would go back to ancient times. Now check this out, though. Uh, in the 1800s, street food vendors in Transylvania County, uh, North Carolina, sold gingerbread nuts. Yeah, gingerbread nuts, cream mixed with corn and bacon and other fr- meat fried on top of ceramic vessels with hot coals inside. So I'm sure that's very clean. But apparently people that, that I mean, that like that's the level of food that people were just taking and eating on the street could just be walking down the street in the 1800s some guy with fried meat could just be walking the other way <laughs> yeah that sounds <laughs> or, pretty good or and creamed I, corn <laughs> i smell that cream corn i'm like where'd you get that cream corn son 
It's like over He's on like, that right down over there. That vessel on that ceramic vessel with Follow hot coals inside. <laughs> yeah. The Industrial Revolution saw an increase in the availability of takeout food. By the early 20th century, fish and chips were considered an established institution in Britain. I would have thought way earlier. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The hamburger was introduced to America around this time as well. By four Um, different families, if you believe the stories. And get this. This is a sentence that follows the one about the hamburger being introduced. The diets of industrial workers were often poor, and those meals provided an important component to their nutrition. Protein. Protein. (laughs) And it's like... Kind of the opposite today, where if you're yeah. eating a you know a diet of hamburgers, you're probably not getting some vital things, mm. or you're getting too much of something. too much of a vital thing. Yes, yep. mm-hmm. it's crazy. I would never have guessed that it went that far back, um, right? But all the way to Pompeii, that's really crazy. Yep. But so I yeah, I have a bunch of different choices here. Yes. I have Savannah, Georgia, which might get mm-hmm. me closer to James Buchanan. My thinking is president right before Civil War. Wow, I can nice get, call. You know, Savannah's going to have something about Civil War. Also thinking maybe, I don't remember when the Industrial Revolution necessarily happened. Oh. I think that Wasn't was... Wasn't it like the 60s? <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. When I, when did industrial music begin to really I think you're... Th- yeah, I was going to say, stomp, I think you're talking, Is that what you're talking about? <clears throat> oh, yeah. The great, the great Stomp Rebellion, yes. That was... Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that was much di- a much different time time period. Yeah, I, I I don't think that's what was happening, but I I think it was <laughs> I think it was a little bit too early uh, because they need the industrial revolution for the civil war. So I I think it happened a little bit beforehand because that, that was correct. the big deal. That's that's what divided the country. There you go. So I'm gonna go with Savannah, Georgia. All right, let's take Savannah, Georgia. Maybe we'll find some. Friendly train names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I still miss that. That was the best, guys. <laughs> see, see the train episode, everyone. Oh, so good. Anyway, uh, Tim, you went to Black Pepper. Yes, Black Pepper, which um, strangely goes into other colors of pepper. Crazy. You got black, white, green, orange, red, pink. Yeah, so Black Pepper is actually the absence of all pepper, right? Yes. It is, it is pepper that has fallen in on itself. <laughs> and in which no light can escape. The yep. densest of all peppers. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, um, there <laughs> is there is a close up of uh, a peppercorn on this page. I will link you to this. It looks like some sort of alien pod that you would never want to actually ingest. They're yeah, very this, strange looking. This is super creepy. And yes. they grow on trees, right? This looks like it will hatch at any moment and latch uh, onto your face. Uh. Yeah. But um, pepper is uh, the world's most traded spice uh, by weight, black pepper. Um, there is an exchange in India that sort of uh, regulates it all. Um, the importance of pepper uh, goes all the way through history. Oh, holy cow. Yeah. See, your black peppercorns were found stuffed in the nostrils of Ramses II. I was just reading that. Place there as part of the modification <laughs> rituals. You got you to gotta spice the nose when you're going to the underworld. Yeah, man. There's also a, uh, there's a riddle. Oh, a riddle authored by St. Aldhelm, a 7th century bishop of Sherborne, shed some light on Black Pepper's role in England at that time. This is his riddle. I am black on the outside, clad in a wrinkled clover, yet within I bear a burning marrow. I season delicacies, the banquets of kings, and the luxuries of the table, both the sauces and the tenderized meats of the kitchen. But you will find in me no quality of any worth unless your bowels have been rattled by my gleaming marrow. It's wow. the it's the four stages of man of the life of man, right? 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. That sounds like um, WEB Du Bois or something. Yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> In the end, you're you just get your bowels rattled and you die. <laughs> that's <all. laughs> that's actually pretty accurate. That's pretty much what you do. <laughs> I do. Really oh, nurse, come in. My bowels are rattling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh. do really love how it, this is so, he's talking about his seasoning and this, and the poem in this riddle is just so delicate, like beautiful. So, uh, what gives pepper its, uh, its kick, its spice, its heat? It's pepper. It's what in it. Like, uh, like peppers have, you know, capsaicin. Chili mm-hmm. peppers do. What does pepper have? I don't know. Like Pe- it has pepper. <laughs> yeah, piperine. Pepperine. Okay. Pi- what, piperine. What is that? Is that like a? Is that something it is a that chemical? Ex- is that something that secretes? <laughs> I, I don't, it might. Yeah. Um, or hatches. Love, We're not sure. <laughs> I love that. There's this one little mention in here about um, pepper's role in sneezing. Mm. Uh, pepper is known to cause sneezing. Some sources say that piperine, a substance present in black pepper, irritates the nostrils, causing the sneezing. Few, if any, controlled studies have been carried out to answer the question. Science, <laughs> science does not give a crap about the pepper. About why pepper makes us sneeze? Nope. That's amazing. You got other fish to fry. Sorry, we're uh, we're a little too busy uh, growing growing ears on mice. Uh, yes. You can oh. uh, you can do that at home, kids. Sorry, we're we're too busy finding the optimal walking speed for carrying coffee without spilling it. So um, there isn't. I mean, there's there are many links in here, but there are lots. I did not find anything that really seems to point me closer to um, James Buchanan. James Buchanan, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that guy. So I'm going to go with uh, canning because that seems old American to me. Yeah, yeah, that's probably one of your best bets here. Okay, let's see. Do we want to do one of these now? Yes. All right. Well, uh, I went to Paprika, and from Paprika, I'm, I'm not actually going to tell you anything about it because I didn't read the full page. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. But from Paprika, I went to Sausage, which is amazing. Okay. And this is the page that I could not leave behind. This is the part... I was I was kind of floating around trying to figure out like eh, is this the route we're gonna take, and then I got to this page and I was like yes. So uh, sausage is very diverse and there's a lot of different kinds of sausages. There are so many kinds that lots of different countries have their own word for it and their own kinds of sausage. Guess what you guys get to do? Take a world journey of sausage. That's literally the thing I was going to call it. Well, pretty close. I was going to say sausage around the world. But yeah, all right. Sure. World Journey of Sausage. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the name of the sausage. And you guys uh, tell me where you think it's from. So uh, to start off, uh, let's go with uh, Saucisson. Saucisson? Yeah. Saucisson. Well, I, I pronounced it with a French accent, yeah. so I'm going, to, I'm going to go with that. You are correct. Uh, you, you cannot, you cannot, you put those letters together and you cannot pronounce them. It was really without a hard. French accent. <laughs> yes. Saucy San. Saucy San. Saucy San. All right. All right, wise guys. How about a uh, Makara? Makara? Makara. Turkey. No. Tim? What, what was that? It was a car outside my house. Wow. You get the full <laughs> Kyle experience now. <laughs> this is a really thing, good thing. Microphone. had a rocket on it. 
Um, it's a really I, good microphone. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's not even pointed toward the window. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to build a, a box for this thing, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go for... Um, uh, Indian isn't a language, is it? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Sanskrit. No, it's Finland. Why are you going with languages? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry, it's Finland. Uh, that could be a game show in itself. <laughs> Sorry. Welcome to Sorry, it's Finland. <laughs> uh, how about a Sujuk? Sujuk? Sujuk. Can you, can you spell that, please? Uh, they have it spelled S-U-J-U-K. Okay. Are there any umlauts? <laughs> no. <laughs> no umlauts. It does sound okay. Swedish. It really does. I'm going to say Iceland. Sky? Uh, Switzerland. Turkey. It's oh, a, oh, it's a turkey sausage. Yeah, I know. <laughs> turkey sausage. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Uh, how about a Rookwurst? R-O-O-K-W-O-R-S-T. Well, it's got to be... Worst. Worst? Worst? With an O. Oh, yes. I, I, I would say Germany, but they usually use U's, don't they? Mm. Yeah, they do. I'm going to go for Poland. That's a good one. That's what I was going to go for. The Ukraine. <laughs> it is neither. You're so close, though. This is at, well, I mean, generally speaking, this is in the Netherlands. Okay. Uh, yeah, the uh, the sentence immediately following that name was, uh, Dutch cuisine is not known for its Dutch. abundant use, use of sausage in its traditional dishes, which is why the name of the sausage is English, I guess. Yeah, oh. weird. Yeah, uh, you were pretty close, though, about uh, Germany. Uh, bratwurst is what we would call it in Germany. Yep. So uh, how about chorizo? That, chorizo that sounds Mexico. familiar. Yeah. Mexico or Spain? It is Mexico. Nice job. Good work. Um, how about a curve lot? Curve lot. Is it very curvy? I really want to know. <laughs> I couldn't find a picture of it. Curve lot? Uh, I'm going to say Russian. That sounds good to me, too, actually. It's Swiss. Oh, uh, yeah. Switzerland. <laughs> also a game show. Often referred to as Switzerland's <laughs> national sausage. Not kidding. That's in the. <laughs> that's All in right. there. Well, fair enough. Uh, how about Kamaboko? Japan. You are correct. Yeah. Boom. Uh, it was the. the, the uh, little bit of information that it gave said this is like a sausage uh, but it is made it is actually a fish based log <laughs> sure that's nothing like sausage yep so uh, but it's you in the sausage and hand me the fish based <laughs> log it's, it's in the sausage article I couldn't let it go uh, and finally uh, what would we call or from what country would you call a sausage a Devon uh, a Devon? Devon De from D Denmark. D-E-V-O-N. Not Denmark. Are you sure it's not Devon? I don't think it's Devon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I did not actually look that up. I, I can't um, honestly say that. I mean, this is Wikipedia, so. I honestly don't know this one. Like, okay. I'm not even sure where it would begin. It's Australia. Oh, I was going to say Australia, but I thought they'd be like, you know, bangers or something with their English heritage. Well, you're really close because they also call sausages snags. 
in <laughs> So, of course, they have a weird way to say it. Okay. So, snags, I guess. <laughs> sure. So, uh, that is the uh, Sausage Around the World uh, tour. Uh, guess what they said the sausage name is here in the U.S.? What do we call sausage here? Uh, sausage? Links? No, no. Oh, no, no. Uh, specifically, sausage in the U.S. is referred to as, quote, unquote, country sausage. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because I hear that all the time. Yep, that's what... I do, but I thought it was a specific type of sausage. It is in the U.S. <laughs> that's weird. Okay, so I'm going to leave sausage alone for now. And uh, <laughs> Sky, get us out of here. Let's go to Savannah. Savannah, Georgia. It's the oldest city in the U.S. state of Georgia. Mm. Um, there's a lot to Savannah. Have either of you been to Savannah? Yeah, a couple um, times. My parents have been to Savannah because they got into the, um, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Oh, man, really? Yeah, they're like, oh, we should go to Savannah. I'm like, you guys have fun. <laughs> you enjoy that. <laughs> you have a good time down there. What did you do there when you were there, Kyle? Uh, I've actually been out through there a couple times for work. Uh, just in traveling actually down toward Atlanta. And we just had some people that we were visiting or some companies we were visiting out in the Savannah area. It's it's pretty cool, actually. Cool. Yeah, it's, you know. Flannery O'Connor's deal. <laughs> where she, deal. Where she, it's where she grew up. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, Flannery O'Connor's childhood home. It's a yeah. museum house there. Something weird. Uh, <laughs> it's really weird they mention this. They have a rock music section. And it all the, there's one sentence, or there's two sentences in the, the rock music section, section. And it's, several sludge metal groups have emerged from Savannah. <laughs> Included in these are Baroness, Kelsey, Black Tusk, and Circle Takes a Square. Oh, man. I've never heard of sludge metal before. I don't know what that is. But I like the Circle the- Takes the Square? That, a band was- named themselves after Hollywood Squares? Circle <laughs> Takes the Square. They oh, are. Wow. Yeah, they look pretty, pretty badass. Are they sludgy? They're an American screamo band. Scream! No, there's sludge, met, yeah. sludge metal. Is that what you said? Sludge metal. Yeah. You can't you can't sludge and screamo at the same time. No. In 2004, the band released "As the Roots Undo." Oh my gosh! On Robotic Empire. Oh come on! How do we keep finding these pages? That's wonderful. I but, I mean, this just screams that someone was someone from those bands, one of those bands at least, or from that label, uh, was like, you know what? I bet I could get this on the Savannah, Georgia page and no one would notice. And so far, no one has. They well, describe themselves as a punk rock band with reverence for the mystery. So what? I, they don't no one knows how how, how to, to pin these guys down with reverence. for What did you say for the mystery, which is a band? I think it's a capital M unless they, unless oh. they're talking about capital M mystery or just mystery, a mystical mystery. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, uh, that's point, wonderful. There's a I lot really of, don't care. See, I don't know, but there's a lot of squares in Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of squares in Savannah. It's known for its squares. So uh, maybe it's circle ticks. I don't know. It's it's weird. It could be a pun on a pun. I mean, yeah. Maybe we're thinking too much about this. Yep. Fort Jackson is a historic fort. Uh, it has not. It's not associated with Andrew Jackson, which I think they get. They must get that question a lot. 
Uh, oh, sure. <laughs> they have it right here on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> um, during the Civil War, it became one of three Confederate forts defending Savannah oh. from Union forces. Uh, Fort Pulaski Natural Monument is there. Um, none of this stuff is interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do really like that they take the moment here to mention that the Union Army attacked Fort Pulaski in 1862 with an aid with the aid of a new rifled cannon that effectively rendered brick fortifications obsolete. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like cannons render most brick fortifications pretty obsolete on their own, but still. Well, no, I mean, cannons weren't always as great as <laughs> we thought yes. they were. That's, I guess that's true. And, I mean, you can you can build pretty sturdy bricks, <laughs> if especially if you know that, that people are going to be shooting cannons at them. Yeah, I guess that's They're, true. Too. You can build some pretty good walls. Uh, these other attractions are, are fantastic, of course. <clears throat> the Club One, uh, home of the Lady Chablis, and made famous in the book and movie Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. But I think I want to point out the Pirate's House halfway down that list, the entire description for which is historic restaurant and tavern located in downtown Savannah. Somehow, yeah. that is on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Wonderful. So wonderful. Sounds like someone slipped uh, Wikipedia a little bit of extra donation money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sky, where are we going from here? Well, I think I'm going to keep going on this Civil War kick and see if <laughs> see if that'll get me closer. I checked, and Buchanan's not on this page anywhere. No. Lincoln isn't on this page anymore. Anywhere. Nope. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> no, any Anywhere. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to take up Civil War. Right. Cool. Tim? Uh, canning. You stick stuff in cans, it, it lasts a long time if you do it right. Yeah. Um, so it says here, freeze-dried canned products such as canned dried lentils could last as long as 30 years in an edible state. Holy cow. Yep. Uh, and in 1974, samples of canned food from the wreck of the Bertrand, a steamboat that sank in the Missouri River in 1865, were tested by the National Food Processors Association, which, okay, that might be a little biased. Um, But they said, although the appearance, smell, and vitamin content had deteriorated, there was no trace of microbial growth, and the 109-year-old food was safe to eat. Wow, that's incredible. I didn't know that canning went went that far back. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, the next paragraph. um, In 1795, the French military offered a cash prize of 12,000 francs for a new method to preserve food. And uh, eventually, it's how we came out with, with canning. No, you know what I was thinking of is the can opener. <laughs> uh, well, and the I can really opener did that, not come for a while, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Because I remember, I remember being surprised when I learned, like, <laughs> oh, really? That's really... But no, it was the can opener that uh, that took a long time to come around. They just, well, think about how often you probably had a knife on you. Right. I mean, at yeah. any point in that history. I mean, it's literally made for the French military. All of them have knives. And you at literally had all day to open a can. What are you going to do? There's no video <laughs> games. There's no, there's no Hollywood squares to get home to. Might as well just take your time. In the morning, your entire to-do list is open green beans. Yep. (laughs) Um, So in uh, World War One is when canned food really started to get uh, its bearings in uh, wartime. They were were the original um, meals ready to eat, original MREs. 
Yeah. Uh, so demand skyrocketed during World War One as commanders sought vast quantities of cheap, high-calorie food to feed their millions of soldiers, uh, which could you know survive conditions and not spoil. Uh, so throughout the war, uh, it was generally um, crap, mm. uh, such as the British uh, bully beef, which was cheap corned beef, um, pork and that, beans. That made fun of you. And Macanochi's Mac Irish stew. stew. Macanachis? Macanochi's? I, I, I don't know either. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at this and it doesn't make any sense. But in 1916, widespread boredom with cheap canned food. <laughs> among soldiers resulted in militaries purchasing, purchasing better quality food. You can just imagine like Chef Boyardee Ugh. somewhere just like, this is my time. <laughs> um, so uh, so uh, army commanders and stuff are like, hey, we need better food. You got to improve morale here. Stick meatballs in it. So yeah. actually in 1917, the French army, of course, the French army, yeah. began issuing canned French cuisine such as coca vin. Which is um, chicken uh, braised in wine. Yes. And the Italian army experimented with canned ravioli and spaghetti uh, bolognese. Yeah, bolognese. Bolognese. And I'm guessing the English just still had their crappy bully beef. Well, sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm short. <laughs> no, here's here's British's, British <laughs> army's response. Shortages of canned food in the British army in 1917 led to the government issuing cigarettes and amphetamines to suppress their <laughs> appetites. <laughs> That's the solution. And this is how England just never found a love of food. It helped. Yeah, it helped with all their food, not just (laughs) the canned food. (laughs) That literally, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Wow. They can survive for years on that now. Um, Today, tin-coated steel is the material most commonly used. Uh, Laminate vacuum pouches are also used for canning, such as as used in MREs and Capri Sun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do we give Capri Sun to our uh, army people? Uh, <laughs> no, we I give really them hope tang. not. Only oh, if it's good enough for the astronauts, it's good enough for our army. <laughs> I, if they do get Capri Sun, I hope it's only like the tropical fruit, like extreme tropical fruit flavor one. I mean, the the the, the other ones, the there's like strawberry or blueberry. It, it's all just boring at that point. This guy's just jogging on on this one, but on this one there's a skateboarder. That's much more exciting. Oh yeah, see? <laughs> this is much more t- this um, is much cooler. I told going you. Back, well, going 90s. back to can openers, they were not invented for another 30 years yeah. after canning was made. So um, back uh, when soldiers in the 1800s had canned food, they had to either just sort of slice it open with a bayonet or smash it open with a rock. Yep. Enjoy. They discuss several companies uh, that uh, engage in canned food, and I'm going to go with Heinz because I believe they are based in a certain state called Pennsylvania. What? Yeah, and they are. Yes, you are correct. Yes. And you guys are on your game tonight. This is really good. (laughs) You're doing much better than I was expecting. Nice work. Thanks. (laughs) Aw, thanks for the confidence. Nice work, guys. Okay, I'm going to do another quick uh, aside here because from sausage, uh, I actually went another route to barbecue because, of course, I did. And hungry. Oh, man, there's so much food in this. I I, I followed so many links off that seasoned salt page. You you guys have no idea. Um, There was so much food. Anyway, we're just going to do one quick other quiz about barbecue. 
And uh, yeah, it's from all over the world. But here in the U.S., we like to own it a lot. And not only do we like to own it, specific states like to own it. Yep. I know where you're going with this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to give you guys, uh, I'm going to give you guys, what, one, two, three, four, five, six different types of sauces. And you guys are going to tell me where they come from. Uh, before we get started, I'm actually going to put this in the uh, in the Skype box or chat box so you guys can see the states or rather cities that these are known for. Okay. Right. So, so we have uh, North Carolina. South Carolina, Kansas City, Maryland, Kentucky, and Chicago. Um, all right. So uh, the first set of them, actually, uh, this is all from the same place uh, in different areas within that place. Um, they have a ketchup and vinegar base sauce, separately a vinegar base sauce, and separately a heavy ketchup sauce. Chicago. Incorrect. Uh, no. South Carolina. Also incorrect. It's North Carolina. Oh, darn. I know oh. it's one of the Carolinas. That was Zero points. Chicago drowns theirs in relish, don't they? I can't help you with that, Tim. Okay. <laughs> uh, specifically, uh, this type of uh, barbecue is different types of meat smoked over hickory with a tomato-based sauce. Kentucky. Maryland. Also incorrect. Uh, <laughs> it's Kansas City, guys. Okay. Uh, specifically using pit beef, which I guess, according to the description, is a grilling of meat over high heat, served mm-hmm. rare, also, uh, l- along with a strong horseradish sh- sauce. Uh, Kentucky. Chicago. Maryland. No! <laughs> Okay, so so far we've had, had North Carolina, North Carolina, Maryland, and and uh, what? I'm not helping you. Let's go. Oh. What's the next one? This is the best. Uh, this is a a dry rub uh, with searing over a hot grill and slow cook uh, with a sweet and tanging sauce. South Carolina. South Carolina. Oh. Incorrect. Chicago. Oh, it's Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, you got it wrong. I got I got grazed by the bus, but I still threw Skyline. <laughs> okay, uh, and then the only difference for this particular type is that it's always or most often is made with mutton. Okay, that's it. That's the only difference. It's Kentucky. it's just other sauces. It that is Kentucky. Nice job, Tim. Weird Kentucky. People. Oh, I thought you were still talking about Chicago. Okay. <laughs> oh ahead. no, I'm sorry. That's fine. And then the last one here. Uh, they have four recognized sauces in this place, uh, with a mu- one with a mustard base, one with the vinegar base, and then two uh, with a light or heavy tomato sauce. Kansas South City. Carolina, South Carolina. Sky remembered it's, which one was the, oh, it's no. the only one. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys tie up with, <laughs> with one. That was good. I can't believe <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, there are so many more types of barbecue, but I thought just sticking to the U.S. would be a good idea. And I'm so glad I did. Uh, that, yeah, that's exactly. Uh, it, it, and there's a lot more to say about barbecue, but we're going to let it go for right now because we might come back to this someday because there's a lot of food on this page, and I think it's delicious. Uh, 
think so, food is delicious. Oh my gosh, so delicious. Barbecue is good, and I've I've just been recently getting into barbecue, as both you know, because <laughs> clearly I've been cooking more, and I'm like I remember I remember the day that I was like that I got into barbecue. I was walking through Meyer, and day. I looked, and there was just this huge rack of pork ribs, and they were on sale, and I was like. I can get a whole thing of that for like 11 bucks. <laughs> I probably just have to rub it with some good stuff and cook it for a long time. I'm going to buy that. And I did. And I found recipes and it was amazing. And it's really, really easy to make good barbecue. It's probably really hard to make excellent barbecue, but <laughs> it's very, just, very easy to make good barbecue. I was going to say, uh, I will say, uh, going back to the etymology of it, um, at least this page posits that the first real barbecue happened when uh, settlers, well, the Spanish showed up in uh, in the Americas at the time, and they brought pork, they brought pigs to the uh, to the Americas. Yeah, and the uh, the American natives there knew how to smoke meat, and yeah. no one else figured that out. Bringing it together. And together, they made one of the best foods in the world. Yeah. I really like soy sauce and ginger. <laughs> with my well, I'm sure that is a, I'm sure that is a sauce somewhere. Yeah. And brown sugar. Oh, a good. Is a good uh, sauce base. Sky, Sky, get us out of here. Stop. <laughs> We're in the American Civil War. Oh, um, okay, that stops all that. So there's a lot to talk about with the American Civil War. But what I want to talk about. Uh, specifically states' rights, um, which I think it's it's one of those things where when you learn about the Civil War, it's kind of like, oh, that's this is what it was actually about, kind mm. of, but not really, because yeah. everything is complicated and there are a lot of reasons uh, required to make a whole country turn on itself. Oh, sure. Um, in the states' rights section, it says, everyone agreed that states had certain rights, but did those rights carry over when a citizen left that state? The southern position was that citizens of every state had the right to take their property anywhere in the U.S. and not have it taken away. Specifically, you know, they could travel and bring their, their slaves anywhere, and they would remain slaves, where northerners rejected this right because it would violate the right of a free state to outlaw slavery within its borders. Um, and then secondly, the South argued that each state had the right to secede, to leave the Union at any time. That the Constitution was just kind of a, com a compact or agreement among the states. Northerners, including President Buchanan, rejected this notion as opposed to the will of the Founding Fathers, who said they were setting up a perpetual Union. So that's, it's basically, it was, it's like... Uh, it's like a budding relationship where one person thinks that <laughs> the, one person is taking it much more serious than the other one. Um, historian James McPherson writes concerning states' rights and other non-slavery explanations. Uh, while one or more of these interpretations remain popular among the sons of Confederate veterans and other Southern heritage groups, few professional historians now subscribe to them. Of all these interpretations, the states' rights argument is perhaps the weakest. It fails to ask the question, states' rights for what purpose? States' rights, or sovereignty, was always more a means than an end, an instrument to achieve a certain goal, goal more than a principle. And like, like maybe the subjugation of an entire, you know people exactly like those things and that that echoes through time right oh, like we're still having these arguments we're still trying to figure out what the constitution actually is we're still trying to figure out what it means to be you know a country based on a document mm. um which is something that is so normal to us as americans but other countries don't really have that as much 
um, it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Government uh, is weird, Scott. <laughs> I mean, a lot of countries will be like, especially a lot of countries that are coming out of um, uh, oligarchies or, or uh, you know, having a king and came into democracy. They mm-hmm. looked at the, the Constitution and said, yeah, we like this part and this part. And maybe we'll bring this part in later. And then they kick stuff out, like of the American Constitution. And they they kind of evolved. And it just seems weird to me that we kind of see it as a static thing and it's not mm-hmm. necessarily a bad thing but it's just something that i think makes our lives harder <laughs> but being yeah, an american is always hard yeah yeah simultaneously good things easier, are always but hard. yes yes exactly everything's um, terrible all the time so okay yeah, i think that's what i want to say about the civil war because otherwise we could just talk about yeah and again and again this is a page that will probably show up a lot in any discussion of anything that has to do with the u.s yeah but president james buchanan is on here he's not linked in that part that i mentioned but he's linked up above yeah talking about the outgoing democratic president so yeah james buchanan uh, nice go okay uh tim you want to try to do this in two clicks yep but first i want to talk a little bit about heinz (laughs) First, let me tell you about ketchup. Has, would you like to hear about Heinz? I would um, love to hear about Heinz. So Heinz is a very big uh, food processing company yep. with its headquarters in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The H.J. Heinz company manufactures thousands of food products and plants on six continents. I wonder which one is not Heinzified. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might I mean, think Antarctica, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, penguins, I'm sure they love pickles. Their, their penguin-run ketchup facility. Yeah. Just, I, <laughs> just look, all these penguins, like, grinding tomatoes. Look, they have a very high standard for their dress code there, and only the penguins can stay up with it. So, um, Heinz ranks first in ketchup. ketchup. Yes. <laughs> They rank first in ketchup uh, with 50% of the market share, or more than 50% in the U.S. That's Pennsylvania's state li- or on their license plate, isn't it? First in, first <laughs> well, in ketchup. The Heinz logo on their ketchup bottles <laughs> is the Keystone. So it is. Which what? represents Pennsylvania, the Keystone state. Yeah, oh my yeah gosh. it is. Look at um, that. There are some uh, very big dealings uh, and corporate uh, drama uh, when it comes to Heinz. Uh for example, uh, McDonald's used to uh, be all about Heinz ketchup. But oh, then no. in October of last year, they announced they would end their 40-year relationship after the new CEO that came in had been previously the chief executive of Burger King. Oh! What? Ooh, burn. I thought we had something, Heinz. <laughs> oh, burn. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see here. Uh, Heinz Field, of course, is named after the Heinz uh, company. Right. Uh, Heinz opened a pickle factory in Holland, Michigan. Yep. In 1897, and it is the largest uh, pickle factory in, in the Holland, world. Michigan. Oh. Oh, in the world. In the world, Kyle. <laughs> we should go tour that sometime, Tim. Yeah, that is that is not very far from us. I'm going to look that like, up right now. Please take okay. some pictures and put it on the on the um, blog, of course. Uh, they have a factory in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales. I was Wales. just looking at I just that. mentioned that to say Wagga Wagga. Yes, um, of course you did. In the UK, Heinz is a big thing. Uh, they're the leading seller of baked beans. Um, there is the Heinz Monument, oh my which sits 
lonely on top of a hill, it looks like, in the center of Cape Cornwall, uh, commemorating its purchase for the nation by the Heinz Company, which just seems like a very majestic thing. And then, <laughs> but you can't help but think that it's about what you know is ketchup. Yeah. Yes. There's a monument, which, you know, it's, it's, it's more than ketchup, of course, but to your no, American mind, that is a monument to ketchup. It's a monument to a condiment. Why isn't it upside down and being shaken? All Heinz pickles come from this plant. Oh, my goodness. All Heinz pickles, except for one. Depending on which way the wind is blowing, much of Holland can smell (laughs) the pickles. And all the the children have to turn to face that direction. During World War II. The wind blows. Here's our World War II (laughs) reference, guys. (laughs) Oh, we did it. We got got a World War II reference in there. Good, good. Nazi POWs located in a nearby POW camp were forced to work at the pickle plant. No, we didn't know. Yep. Uh, so am I able to select Pennsylvania to continue? I really can't select it's Pennsylvania. A, it's a place, though, isn't it? And I can't really do no, that. No, you, you can do states. States yeah, I don't are okay. Oh, okay. Pennsylvania. Let's see if James Buchanan is mentioned I'd, in I'd his home really, state. I'd really be surprised. There I mean, it is. I'd, oh, yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's definitely there. James Buchanan of Franklin County, the only bachelor president of the United States. Yep. The only one to be born in PA. Yeah. Yeah, I know here in Ohio we actually have eight. Not not saying anything. Ooh, well. Pennsylvania, get on our level. Um, yeah, I bet I bet we have plenty of presidents that came from Michigan. My family lived in Chicago until I was eight. I love the Kellogg cereal factory and the ice cream with the ice cream sundae at the end and the Heinz pickle factory tour where you got a pickle and a paper hat. A oh, pickle there. wearing a paper hat? No, I think you get a pickle and a paper hat. And a paper hat. Oh, okay. <laughs> you get a pickle in a paper hat. It's like if you go to if you go to um, uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, and you take the Hershey tour, you get a free Hershey bar. At yeah, the end. I did actually have a friend who who did that, and uh, she was very excited. But she gave the uh, she gave the the candy bar away because she. Uh, she bought so much chocolate <laughs> at the actual <laughs> plant. She's like, "Well, I don't need this." I actually had a, a great aunt and an uncle who lived in Hershey, and they actually got asked to not come back to the tour because they wait. would go at least like twice a week to get a free what? candy bar. Wow! It kind of be like an end of the night thing. Like, hey, you wanna you wanna go get a candy bar? Oh, yeah, sure. Gosh. Just have to oh. sit through this ten minute tour. How many times does it take to get kicked out of the Hershey tour? It probably depends on if you use disguises or not. <laughs> Depends on how good you are at it. Yeah, yeah, if you bring wigs. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's great. So anyway, um we ended up at James Buchanan and part of the reason that I came here is because I didn't want to click on Abraham Lincoln because I figured we'll be there at another point. Yep. But also because I remembered one he was the bachelor president and that's yes. always good trivia to remember. Widely reputed to be our first gay president uh although that is still you know questionable of course as always but he's also well known as one of our worst presidents in american history yeah which i don't know if i i don't know if i blame him for that no no he he walked into a lot of difficulty but he could have done a lot yeah he could have done a lot more to uh try to reunify people Mm -hmm. and uh let's see let's see 
Uh, Buchanan's view of record was that secession was illegal, but that going to war to stop it was also illegal. Right. He basically said, I can't do anything. Yeah. Our hands are tied. Yeah. Uh, Buchanan, an attorney, was noted for his mantra, I acknowledge no master but the law. Yeah, which I kind of get, because think about how weird it would be to be like, you can't secede. If you do, we're going to come after you, even though you're still part of the U.S. because it's illegal that you you can't secede. Yeah. It's just really weird. I think that's the thing is like it took it took other things happening to make it be like, all right, we have to do this right. sort of deal. And it took, you know, another man to do it. Well, maybe maybe we could have avoided it all, but we can't know now because history is in the past. Anyway, James Buchanan, uh, you get to bear the brunt of uh, of our of our 2020 vision, I guess. He was also considered a doe face. Do you guys? I know love what, that. Do you guys know way. what a doe face is? No, I didn't know that. D o e or d o u g h. I wish it was that one. Oh no! Now I wish it was d o e. No, it's d o u g h. It's a northern man with with southern principles. Yes. I don't know why that is what it is, but there you are. Oh uh, yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be from like Doughboy, right? No, that would have been like a World that. War One. Uh, yeah, that that's didn't come until the, later. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I really, I, but I I like the concept that they called him a doe face, and I really wish it was D O E face. He was <laughs> just so kind and perhaps father to fawn. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't. It's just so amazing. Anyway, uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on Buchanan because there's a lot to say and a lot of it is not that. A lot to say and not much to be proud of. Yeah, I really don't think we want to take a lot of time on it. And by the way, there there is one president from Michigan. What? Who? Gerald Ford. Oh, yeah. The one who fell out of a plane. Yep. And lived. And fell into a presidency. Mm, Wow. It's the title of his book. <laughs> I fell into the presidency. <laughs> and then sure I walked he's, right he's out. A, he's a decent guy. No, he's oh, good. Yeah. No, he yeah, just yeah. did. He, he fell into it. I mean. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. Not, uh, getting all geared up to be vice president <laughs> and then suddenly. Jeez. I'm not like that other guy, everyone. Well, like, no. he wasn't, like he fell into the vice presidency too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's yeah. Just sort of like, exactly. Well, that's he's right. like, hey. Okay, um, our vice president's gone. You want to be the vice president? He's like, I guess. Yep. And then don't oh, make right. me do anything. Like, okay, oh, oh, president's gone. You got to be the president now. Crap. <laughs> that's right. Oh no. <laughs> How do I get out of this? Well, there's one way you can get out of this. <laughs> yeah. That's what the other guys did. Uh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Is he the only one that was not directly elected to either either position? Uh, one here's the one piece of trivia. He's lived longer than any other U.S. president. Really? Yep. Yeah. Ninety three years and one hundred sixty five days. You're right, Kyle. What? He's the only chief executive who was not elected. He's either president or vice president. Yeah. Yes. I managed to remember useless and trivia. So he he's lived the longest, but his presidency uh, at eight hundred ninety five days is the shortest of all presidents who did not die in office. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of course that makes sense. Well, yeah, that he just sort of finish the uh the gig there man he's got several uh several titles to his name there. and his israel is well the name he was born with is leslie lynch king jr what wait he changed what? it to gerald ford because i don't think he liked his father 
<laughs> also his name. What? <laughs> Leslie Lynch King is really is that what it, is that what you mm-hmm. said? Yeah. Oh, Leslie Lynch King Jr. I that feel like sounds like a radio drama villain. Yeah, there's there's something happening there. I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. Anyway, uh, that is going to be it for us tonight. We made it from season salt to James Buchanan in actually, Scott, you got there in fewer clicks than I did. Yeah, I did. Oh, four uh, clicks. So, Super win. Bravo. Yeah, that's a birdie, I guess. So <laughs> good job. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to check out the more more stuff from us, you can go to our, po- our, our Twitter page. Uh, Twitter page. Yep, just a page. There's a single page with one tweet on it. Um, that kind of is how it is right now. <laughs> you can check out our Twitter feed at WSKBcast, and uh, there you can also um, you can also message us or tell us what you like or don't like or make fun of how we talk. Please don't make fun of how we talk. We're all very sensitive, and you can also head to iTunes and yeah. check and give us a. I, I mean, yeah, we can. You could go to iTunes now. You can subscribe yeah. there. You just have to search in iTunes. You just need to search for "We Should Know Better," and we show up. And uh, you as one can, of the top results for "We Should Know Better." Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and what you really should do is, after you listen to an episode or two, is give us a review and a rating on iTunes because that would actually, help us immensely. Yeah, actually, just listen to one and then rate that one really well. Don't listen to the other ones. It's only yes. going to go downhill. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you give us if you give us a really I'm not I'm not going to say if you give us a good review we'll read it on the air, but if you give us an interesting review, maybe at the end of an episode we might we might uh might go over it. So. Maybe if you uh, reference some of our past jokes, say. Maybe uh, yeah, if you think dig really, hard, you can find them. Really good looking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got to do that. I'm going to put together like a best of for like the, the last few episodes. So. People can uh, see what this is about, and it's it's going to be tough. Because <laughs> there's be so rough. so much good stuff, right? Yeah, right. You can also find us uh, if you don't if you don't use iTunes for your podcasts. Uh, you can find us at wskbcast.blogspot.com. You can listen right online there, or subscribe from there. Basically, if you hit the subscribe button, it'll take you to a page, and it'll have a little box there that says. Do you use this? Do you use this? And it'll basically walk you through how to how to subscribe. So, do not listen if the box offers you a watch, though. It is a, it is a fake. It is a it is a fake watch, but it's yes. a real podcast. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad that uh, you guys came along with me on this wonderful run through uh, Wikipedia, and uh, hopefully next time we'll have things that are maybe closer related. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a holiday episode next time, hopefully. Yeah. We've got to figure out how we're going to do it, but it'll be yeah. festive. So. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming along, and we will see you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>